the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, you believe because you see me. But blessed, happy is the one who believes without having to see me. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Do you yearn for him? Do you thirst after him? Because it's only when we get to the end of ourselves that we can earnestly seek the Lord. That's when we will see God's power. That's when we will see the glory of God unfold within our circumstances. And that's exactly where this royal official in John chapter 4 was. He was earnestly yearning, thirsting, seeking help. And when he heard that Jesus was back in town, something inside of him sprang to life. There was hope inside of him because God's loving kindness, as David said, is better than life. Maybe you here today need a holy 911 call to heaven. Well, God is waiting for your call today. For God has given to us, each and every one of us, his holy 911 emergency number. Where is it found? In the book of Psalms. Where is it? In Psalm 911. Not too hard to remember that. Here's the holy 911. Psalm 911 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Yes, God understands our pain. Psalm 911 says, We can dwell in His shelter. That's in His personal shadow. That is an intimate place of divine protection. Think about where that is. How close you are to be in the shadow of someone. You gotta be really close to them. And why does that protect us? Because he is the most high God. Nothing can threaten him because nothing can overpower him. He is the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things seen and unseen. When we are in his shadow, when we are in his presence, nothing can penetrate him. His shadow is really just a metaphor of his great care and protection that he has for us. Yes, he's the only one who can help us in our time of need. And that's exactly what this nobleman understood. His son was burning up with a fever. Nothing else was working. He was at the end of his rope. So he came and he threw himself before the Lord, requesting that Jesus would literally come and heal his son. Understand, 
Everything that Jesus did, all of his miracles, how he spoke, it was so different than the religious leaders of the day. Because Jesus spoke with power. He spoke of one with authority. And the people recognized that he was speaking to the very core of their beings. The people back then were just like us today. For people are people. You know, wherever you go, no matter what culture you live in, if something exciting happens, people talk about it, right? Because nothing comes close to what Jesus did. Again, why? Because he was the God-man. He was the walking miracle machine. Yes, it made total sense for this nobleman to seek out Jesus. For this wasn't a time for dead religion. Because when the bottom drops out, we must go straight to the power source. Notice what Jesus said to him again in John 4:48. He says, "Unless you people, he's talking about the Jewish people. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply won't believe." You know, like unless you see something, unless I take a 2 by 4 and beat you over the head and say, "Look at this." You're just not going to believe it. You're going to walk away from this. You're going to miss it. Now, knowing how desperate this man was, Didn't that kind of seem a little odd, almost insensitive? I mean, borderline rude for Jesus to say. But understand this. Jesus is neither odd, he's not insensitive, and he's never rude. But he's loving, and he's kind, and he's compassionate. Now, obviously, we were not there. We didn't hear the tone of his voice. We don't know what was in this man's heart on the inside. But let's look at what we do know. We know that Jesus just spent two days with the Samaritans. Again, the Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with other nationalities. They were hated because they were considered not true Jews. The Samaritans were thought of as nothing more than half-breed sellouts. Yet the Bible says that there was a revival that was happening with Jesus in Samaria. Because he wasn't prejudiced. He was going to those people. He was reaching out to them. Even as Abraham was told to reach out to all the nations of the world. But they believed in Jesus. They just believed in him. So think about that. We left off in our last study here. There was Jesus, remember? He had converted the woman at the well, this woman of scorn. This woman that nobody wanted anything to do with. She was so excited about meeting the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. She left her water pot. She ran back into the city and she says, you have to come see this man. He told me everything about me. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. You have to come. There was something about her voice. There was something about something that changed inside of her. When the people looked at this woman that they scorned, they said, we don't know what you just saw. We don't know what happened, but we're going to come and see it because something changed in you and we want to see what did it. And so by the time she was in there in the city, getting the whole city to come out, the disciples had come back from the grocery store getting some food and they're asking Jesus to eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of my father. 
And they're like, wait, you didn't eat. We didn't see any of you. What are you talking about? And then also that's when Jesus in John 4.35, remember he pointed over to a little field. Maybe it was corn that was just sprouting up. He says, what do you say, about four more months? And then there'll be ripe for harvest. And I could see all the disciples, you know, looking over saying, yeah, about four more months. And you can, the harvest will be ready to go. And he says, but lift up your eyes and look as the woman's coming back with the whole city with her. You can just see the big dust cloud coming. And all the people are like, what are we coming out? Like, lift up your eyes. Look at that harvest. It's ready for harvest today. Not another day. It's ready for harvest today. And so there was a massive revival of these people that were kicked to the curb, the people that were considered these half-breed sellouts. And yet there was a revival going because they simply believed. And notice what Jesus points out in John 4.44. He says in John 4.44, he says, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet now has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Okay, now notice the picture here. Jesus was with the half-breed Samaritans and they simply believed. And now that he's back with his own people, there were some who didn't believe. He knew their hearts and he said, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Why did he say that? Because it's like people are looking at Jesus like, wait a second, Jesus, we know Mary, she was not that special. Yeah, would your dad just a poor old carpenter, Joseph, it's like, who do you think you are? What are you, are you claiming to be the Messiah? Are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? A little cuckoo maybe? And see, they wouldn't believe. They chose not to believe. Isn't the same thing can happen to us? You know, we're like total heathens, right? We're going through the life and, you know, we're ripping stuff off. We're lying. We're cheating. Then all of a sudden we come to know Jesus and a radical conversion happens inside. So what do we do? We go back to our family. You got to know Christ as your savior. Then they're just looking at us like, who do you think you are coming in here preaching to us? You were the party animal. You're the one that got all wasted at that one New Year's Eve party we have for the big family. You're the ones that got in a fight with this guy and that, and you scrapped it up there and you're cussing and telling your dirty jokes. And now you're in here talking about Jesus. Then they just look at you and they scorn you. They don't want to hear anything from you. Listen to what happened. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas after he had rose again from the dead? You remember what happened? Jesus appeared in the upper room because the disciples were hiding out there. Remember? It's like they saw Jesus beaten unmercifully. They saw him beat so much that you couldn't even tell that he was a man. And then, of course, they saw him on the cross and they saw him dead. Now, they weren't right there by the cross because the Bible says that only John was present, the one that wrote this gospel. But maybe the other ones were standing at a distance and they were thinking, if they can do that to Jesus, they could do it to us. They were scared. They were petrified. So they were hiding out in the upper room. The doors were locked. Pull those blinds down. Don't let anyone see us in here. And there it was. Jesus appeared in the room. Oh, my goodness. There's Jesus. He's alive. Oh, my goodness. But one of the disciples wasn't there. Bitterness had grabbed his own heart. Maybe he was so in love with Jesus, he had all his hope. All my eggs are in the basket of Jesus, the Messiah. And then when he saw him dead on the cross, it just devastated him. So he bailed. And that was Thomas. They've called him Doubting Thomas. Thomas. 
And so there was Thomas, and he wasn't in that upper room when Jesus appeared. But when the other disciples came to him and they said to him, like, oh, my goodness, we saw the Lord, Thomas. You're not going to believe it. Maybe they ran into him in the marketplace. Dude, where were you? Jesus is alive. We saw him. He's like, uh, no, can't do. Like, I don't believe that. In fact, really, Thomas refused to believe. He says, no way. I saw him nailed on the cross from a distance. He was dead, dead as a doornail. I will not believe until I can see him with my own eyes. I got to touch the spear wound in his side. I got to put my finger into the hole in his hand. I won't believe. Well, you remember the story. He totally didn't believe, but he was hanging out with the other disciples. Well, maybe I'll just kind of hang out with you guys. And then the next Sunday, he was there in the upper room. And Jesus didn't come to the door again. He didn't sneak in the window. He just appeared before them. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, Thomas, I got something to say to you. Uh, uh, no, uh, me? Uh, is there someone, another Thomas in here? No, you, Thomas. I have something to say to you. Let me see your hand. Here, put it here on my side. Let me see your finger. Put it into the hole in my hand. He says, you believe. He says, my Lord and my God. I said, yeah, you believe because you see me. But blessed, happy is the one who believes without having to see me. See, I wonder what it will take for us to really believe and to trust in him. For many are like Thomas. We have to see to believe. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he'll be the same for every tomorrow because he never changes. His word never changes. Now, our culture and society today doesn't like that because we change, and we want you know, the Bible to accept the changes that we make, and we have sinful lifestyles that are now glorified now, and it's like all these lifestyles are coming out. It's like, oh, it's okay. God loves us. You know, it's all grace. It's all about grace. Uh, hold on. Hold on. It's not all about grace. It's about grace in the sense that God will forgive us. But if we have no desire to be forgiven and we have no desire to turn from lifestyles that are, that are sin in the Bible, then there is no grace. The grace is based on us coming and saying, oh God, help me, I'm a sinner. It's like, oh God, have mercy on me. Oh, then God's like all ears to you. He's all in on you. He wants to come. He wants to come by your side. He wants to help you. But I'm struggling with this sin and I keep struggling. That's okay. He'll keep helping you. But I'm struggle, 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 struggle. It's okay. I'll help, 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 and help. But if you say, oh no, this lifestyle is now okay. I'm deeming it okay now, though the Bible says it's not okay. It's like, it's not okay. Because now you're claiming that God's word has changed. He never changes. He never changes. Then people get down on me because I speak the truth. It's like, listen, why are you so mad at me? I'm just telling you the truth. Do you want me to lie to you? Do you want me to say, oh, everything's great. It's all hunkadory. Pull the party poppers and let's all have fun. Bring out the ice cream and cake. It's like, listen, I would rather offend you with the truth so that you understand what the truth is so there can be true repentance, so that God can forgive you and cleanse you and walk with you. But I wonder how many of us are not willing to hear that. And just like he said to Thomas, he says to you, he says to me, and he said to this nobleman that was standing in front of him, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Know this, we must believe first, then we will see. 
People will say, oh, it's show me the Lord. Where's the God at today? Here, give me some evidence that God's here. Uh, well, did the sun come up today? I mean, it's like, uh, is your heart beating in your chest with no batteries? I mean, you know, it's like, but anyway, but people want to see something. Jesus says, you believe, then you'll see. You believe first, then you'll see me working in your life. I wonder if this nobleman was thinking, if I could just see Jesus come into my house, I know that if Jesus puts his miracle hands on my son's body, I believe that when he prays over him, he will get better. But look, Jesus was not being rude or insensitive to this man, but rather he was reaching down into the depth of this man's soul to find a nugget of faith inside of him to bring it out. And yes, with unerring accuracy, the Lord hits the nail on the head with this man. This official wanted the comfort of having Jesus in bodily form in his house, but he wasn't going to get it. And notice how some things never change as we fast forward to today. Is it not the same for you and for me? We also say we believe, yet when the bottom falls out, do we really believe? Do we really trust when the bottom falls out? Do we really cling to him and him alone when the storms of life come along and steal all of our joy away? I'm sure this caught the nobleman by surprise. Yet notice he did not deny the claim that Jesus made to him. Maybe he stepped back. Maybe there was a moment of silence in his soul and in his life. Maybe he thought to himself, I don't know. Do I really believe? Do I really believe that this Jesus is who he says he is? Because if I'm going to embrace Jesus, I'm going to get ostracized by the rest of the religious world. Just like today. If we believe in Jesus, we become the automatic bigot and the hater. Well, really? Are you serious? Where did that come from? And that's what's happening in our world today. But maybe that's what happened back here also. So he had to ask himself, do I really believe? I wonder if we really believe for the issues that are happening in your life here today, right now. Like, do you have anything brewing in your life? Little nightmare that's happening? Little sin issue inside? Well, maybe it's time for us to stop for a brief period of time, to pause for just a moment, to really think about that for a second Is there something that's happening in my life right now where I'm not really believing? I'm not really, you know, trusting God in my storm that's happening in my life. I wonder if that's happening. Well, this nobleman, realizing that there was nowhere else for him to turn, said with the utmost of respect to Jesus, Sir, come down before my child dies. You can see just the the heartfelt plea to the Lord. And what does Jesus immediately say? Jesus says, go, your son lives. I just healed him. It's done. He's fine. Go home. Notice without hesitation, by faith, it must have been the way Jesus looked in his eyes. Could you imagine Jesus looking in your eyes? It's okay. Your son's fine. Go home. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, there was something, there was a connection, but you only get that connection when you draw close to the Lord. You only get it when you're reading his word and you're embracing it and you're in prayer and you're, 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 you're yearning, you're thirsting after him. And then God gives you that peace inside. 
all that peace and you just, you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to work. There was no hesitation. And by faith, that man believed it as he turned and he headed for home. Just looking into the eyes of Jesus was enough for him. Jesus didn't have to go with him, just like Jesus doesn't have to appear to us physically. He doesn't have to float down on the cloud and welcome you to the good guy crew. He doesn't have to speak to us audibly. I've been a Christian now for 42 years. I've never heard the audible voice of God for he has already given to us his word. And what he says is what he means, and what he means is what he says in his word. That's why he's written it in his word, and it never changes. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, he says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And if it's settled in heaven, it should be settled on earth. Do you know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of any any book in the Bible, any chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119 has like 176 verses. That's a long chapter. Do you know that in every single verse except for four verses, his word, his ordinances, his statutes, his commandments are found in every single verse. You will either find the word commandments, his word, his precepts, his statutes, his way. You will find that in every single verse before because God puts huge, huge amounts of emphasis upon his word. And that's why we cannot, because of culture's sake, you know, wipe away what God has spoken. And if what God has spoken is settled in heaven, it is settled forever, forever forever it is settled and it never changes and that's good because that means you or me that we don't wake up one day and God changes the rules no the rules are always the same but know this about the rules his commandments will never be wiped away and his love and his redeeming power is greater than any sin that we're in and he can work with us and he can help us no matter how captivating that sin might be. No matter how much it might just pull us down, no matter how much we think, I can't get out of this. I, I just, this is so much into my life. It's just, it's so much part of my DNA. I can't escape this. Oh no, you can escape it. You can absolutely escape it because God is greater than anything in our life. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is within us than than whatever sin is trying to encroach in our life. Greater is he that is in us than anything else in this world. Yes, what God has spoken is spoken and settled in heaven forever. And it should be in our minds also. Understand, Jesus reached in and he stretched the faith of this nobleman. And what was the end result? What was the end result? Verse 53 said that not only did the nobleman believe, but his entire household believed. See, there's always a bigger picture to the issue. There's always something bigger than what we originally see. See, we only see what's in front of us, right? So we get completely, you know, dogged by what's happening in our circumstances and we get completely lost in those circumstances. But yet there's a bigger picture. And the Lord was like saying, look, I don't want to just reach into the heart of this nobleman. I don't want to just heal his son. I want his entire family to be saved. So I'm going to let this go farther than he wants it to go. I'm going to let this go farther than what he could ever dream of. And sometimes things go way farther than we could ever imagine. Sometimes things go so far that it just doesn't make any sense to us whatsoever. 
and they just go way too far. See, salvation and a real relationship with God now is a reality to not only him, but his whole family. See, that's the biggest issue of all. Because this life will end. This life only has so many days, so many heartbeats, and so many breaths, and then it ends. This life will end. No one gets out of this life alive. One out of every one person dies. But the eternal life goes on for eternity. So know this. In this life, on this side of heaven, tragedy and hardship will happen. Now, I will admit, when it does, it's very difficult to see any good in it. Death can happen. Disease can happen. Hardship can happen. But let me remind you of what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen, they're everlasting. They go on forever, forever and ever. So we're not to lose heart, the Bible says, because life and everything that we see in it is temporal. Yet the things that we cannot see, those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that many times will last forever. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.